have your Bibles with you this morning, you can go ahead and open them up to Psalm 139. 139. Who's got their Bibles this morning? Brought them with you? Awesome. I love when people bring their Bibles to worship service. It means, means they're ready to go. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. We'll have the Scriptures up on the screen for you, but I always encourage you to read along in the Scriptures as well. If you're new here at ATC, or maybe you just haven't been in a while, we're in the middle of this series that we're calling What's in a Name? And and we've been looking at the different names of God and Jesus. And this week we're, we're talking about the name El Roy. Translated, it means God sees me. Church, if you didn't already know, God sees us. He sees everything we do. And because of that, he knows everything there is to know about each and every one of us. Here's the thing about knowing. Uh, when, you were, when, you and I, when you or I don't know something... We turn to something that we like to call Google, right? Who in this room has used Google? You've used it for like just about everyone, right? We, we turn to Google, right, when we don't know things. Google is awesome. I don't know if you guys know this. You can ask Google anything. So this week as I was working hard on my sermon and, and just trying to come up with deep theological things to look up on, on Google, I decided to ask it a couple questions. So the first thing that came to mind was, why do kangaroos hop? I, I asked Google this week. I thought I'd be up here maybe typing in, but I just, I'll tell you what, uh, what, what Google says about kangaroos hopping. It says this, the large stretchy tendons in a kangaroo's hind legs act like giant springs. As, as these tendons strain and contract, they generate most of the energy needed for each hop. That's awesome. Did you guys know that? Why are we looking up kangaroos? I don't know. <laughs> Google's, it, it, like I said, it's great for so many things. Um, if, you're, you're, uh, like if you're into like stats and numbers, you can ask it about stats and numbers. It's really cool. So I'm sitting in my office and I thought, you know what, Google? I'm going to ask it. I'm going to ask it, uh, who had the highest on-base percentage in the 2016 Major League Baseball season? I know everyone in this room is dying to know the answer to that question. <laughs> but it, I care because I'm a baseball nerd. But if you were wondering, uh, it was actually Mike Trout. He's from the, the Anaheim Angels, and, and his OBP is 441. That's pretty incredible. If you didn't know that about baseball, that's incredibly high. So that's awesome. But also the cool thing about Google is you can ask how to get places. So this week, I'm in my office. We're getting ready to go on a trip to Christ and Youth with our high school students. Google, how long does it take to get to CIY? We're going to Indiana, and it told me that it takes like seven hours and eight minutes or something like that. But you can ask Google anything, right? And, and here's the thing. Well, you and I need Google to answer vast amounts of questions. God doesn't need Google, he knows everything already. He already knows Mike Trout had the highest OBP in 2016. I don't know that he cares, but he knows it. God, God sees us, and because he sees us, he knows everything about us. The Greek word for El Roy, El Roy God, God is El Roy, one of the, the many meanings of, of his name. And, it, and simply translated, it means the God who sees me. He sees us. It's, it's who God is. It's in his nature. He sees us. He knows everything about us. 
And because he knows everything about us, he knows that our lives are extre- that our lives are extremely messy. And this morning, whatever mess is in your world today, I want to tell you, God knows about it. And he knows a lot about it. He knows everything about us. What does he know? And like I said, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be going through Psalm 139. So what does God know in verse 1? Right off the bat, it says this. The author of the psalm says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. He has searched me. The word literally means examine. God has gone on a mission to know every single part about you. He knows everything about me, and he knows everything about you. God sees you, and because of that, God knows everything that you do. He knows everything that I do. Verses 2 and 3, moving on. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Everything I do, God knows about it. He knows my daily activities. He knows when I plop down on the couch after work when I get home from the office. He knows what time my alarm goes off. He knows when I make breakfast. He knows when I drive to work. He knows when I mow the lawn, when I go online, when I brush my teeth, when I close my eyes to go to sleep at night. He knows everything about me. Everything you do, he knows it. That also means he also knows everything I've already done, which means every action I've ever taken in my whole life, God knows it. You can hide stuff from people, but you can't hide your past from God. You've done things. You've done things when you were one, two, three years old. I'm going to show you this picture. This is a, a baby picture of me when I was, I wasn't even one. I could fly away with those ears. They are huge. <laughs> God knows everything I did when I was a baby. This picture was taken in April of 1982. He knows everything I did when I was a baby. He knows every dirty diaper when I was that age. He knows every spit up that happened when I was that age. He knows everything. The things I don't remember when I was that young, God still knows. And the same is true for you. And in the same way, he knows as as you get older, he knows the spiritual dirty diapers that we have and the spiritual spit ups that we have. There are things you, you want no one in the world to ever know about that you did. And, and you want it that way. You want to keep it that way, right? But God knows. God knows everything you do. He sees you and he knows about it. God also knows all that I think. And for some of us, I think this one can be really scary. In verse 2, he says, you perceive my thoughts from afar, right? And going on in verse 4, it says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God knows what I'm thinking. He knows everything that is going through my mind right this moment, right now, standing up here. He knows it from afar. He doesn't have to, to be on, my, on, any, on any of my social media accounts, right? He doesn't have to, to be my Facebook friend to know what's going on in my life. He already knows. He doesn't He doesn't have to be in my presence right now. He knows all the time everything I'm thinking. Even if I don't say it, God already knows about it. Sometimes I'm even smart enough, and maybe some of you, you, uh, we do this. Some of us are even uh, smart enough to do this. Well, we'll catch ourselves, and we're about to say something, and then we shut shut our mouths really quick because we know God's listening, right? 
And, and, and people might be impressed with that, but, but here's the thing. God already knows what I was going to say anyway, even if we didn't want to share it with other people. Even right now as I say these words, God sees me here and he knows what I'm going to say. He knows my thoughts. He knows what I'm thinking. Jesus displayed this when, when he was here on earth. Remember uh, when Jesus called Nathaniel? It's in chapter 1 if you want to read the story later on. He called, him, uh, he called Nathaniel to be an apostle. Philip called him and said, and Nathaniel says, what good thing can come out of Nazareth, right? Remember him saying that? He says, only crappy things come out of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of there, right? Jesus shows up and introduces himself as Jesus from Nazareth and says, I can tell you, you're a really honest dude. And then Nathaniel says, how do you know that? How do you know that about me? Jesus says, from when you had a conversation with Philip, I know that about you. Nathaniel worshiped Jesus in part because of this. Jesus knew what Nathaniel was thinking. He already knew it. God knows what I'm thinking. What are you thinking about right now? The person sitting next to you may not know. I may not know. You might be thinking, I'm hoping this sermon is short. I'm hoping to get out of here soon. I don't know what you're thinking right now, but God knows. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And then David says this in verse 5. He says, you hem, me in, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. God knows everything about us, and not only does he know everything about us and all that I've done and all that I'm saying, he's also everywhere I go. God is everywhere we go. I, I can't get away from him. You can't get away from him. As we go through verses 7 and 12, God gives us some insight to this. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up on the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, you can't escape from God. He is everywhere you go. You can't go higher. You can't go lower. He's there at the sunrise and he's there at the sunset. I was thinking about these verses this week and thought, why would someone want to, to run from God? I mean, why would you want to run from this incredible God that created everything? And, and believe it or not, as I was thinking about this, there are people that actually do. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe you're one of those people in this room today. You've, you've tried to run from God, or maybe you're trying to run from him today. We know the story of Jonah, right, in the Old Testament. We know him as the, the, the guy who was swallowed by the big fish or the big whale, right? Many of us learn that story as, a, as small children, as kids. What you may not know is, is, remember, is that Jonah was called to go and preach in Nineveh. And he went the opposite way from God. He went completely the opposite way. He got on a ship and, tail, and sailed toward Tarshish. He ran from God because he was afraid and he was a disobedient. Jonah said, I don't want to do what you want me to do, God. Guess what? Jonah found out that if you think you can go far away, as far away as you can possibly go, God's going to find you. If you think you can run from God today, good luck with that. Some of you in this room, maybe this morning, may be running from God. 
Maybe He's called you to do something or maybe there's, there's something that He's called you from. Maybe He's calling you, you back to Him. He wants you to clean up your life and get your act together. Maybe He needs you to change something in your life right now, but you're thinking, maybe if I can just get far enough away from God, maybe if I can get far enough away from His church, from his people, from his will, from his word, from his calling. Maybe he'll just stop pursuing me. Church, I've got news for you. The Bible shows that that's just not true. That's not going to happen. God is consistently pursuing us. He's constantly present. You cannot get away from him. Isn't that That's awesome, right? Amen? Like, if you're a believer, that's unbelievable. And here's the thing. He's not chasing you to hurt you. He's chasing you because he loves you. Well, maybe you're thinking, I can't run from him, but maybe I'll hide from him. Verse 11 and 12 says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark in you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. Is there a place where I can play hide and seek with God? I've talked about this before, right? Where, where can I go to get in the shadows, right? It's, it's really bad to play hide and seek with God. You're going to lose every time. He finds you every time. He sees you and he wins every time. The writer of the psalm says, Even if I try and hide from you in the dark of night, the, dark, the darkest place I can find, it does no good because darkness is like light to you. Even if I, even if I wrap myself in darkness... God will, st- will still see me. He always sees us. God is not affected by darkness. And that leads me to ask you this question. Why would we, and maybe we all have been there at some time in our lives, but why would we want to hide ourselves to cover ourselves from God? Why would we want to hide from God? And I think the answer is pretty simple. In one word, it's sin. There's, ask Adam and Eve about this. When they sinned in the garden and suddenly found themselves ashamed of their nakedness, they hid from God in the garden. And after he punished them for their sin, one of the first things God did was, was he made them clothes, right? He covered their nakedness and their shame. Church, if you're hiding from God this morning or today, come out. The game of hide and seek is over. He sees you. He sees the sin you don't want anyone else to, sit, to know. He knows your past. He knows your mess. He knows your future. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't hide. Don't hide anymore. He wants to cover your shame and nakedness with his son, Jesus Christ. And that's good news. Here's a, a big theology word, and we use it this morning in Sunday school. Omnipresent. Omnipresent. God's everywhere, right? He's everywhere. East, west, up, down. He's everywhere. Verses 13 through 16, the psalmist describes how much God knows, how how intimately acquainted he is with us. He not only knows where we're going and what we're doing and what we're saying and, and what we're thinking, but he knows where we began. He knows us. He knew us before we were us, right? He he knows where we were started. For the scripture says this, for you were created, you were created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows us because he made us with his own hands. When you read these verses, you've you got to believe that there's a secret place where, where God creates human life. The scripture even says, woven together in the depths of the earth. This is, this is why the church, this is why Christians put so much value on human life. We understand be, human beings were, were created by God. We have been woven together by the hands of God. He has a purpose for each and every person. We're not just some afterthought to him. He's known about us all along. You can't Google that stuff, right? Only God knows. And here's the thing, church. He knows even more. If you thought that was a lot, he knows even more. Verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew what I was before, I, before he even started knitting me together. God knew when I was, would be born and he knows when I'm going to die. He knows the two most important dates on my tombstone, the beginning and the end. Now, the reality is most people don't like talking about this stuff, right? He, he knows the day, the hour, the minute, the second that I will die. And for a lot of us, it kind of makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And it makes all of us uncomfortable. But... but I think more so in our, in our American society that we live in today. It makes us uncomfortable because, number one, we want to know that, that we can be in charge of everything, right? The problem with our mess is that we want to know why God's doing it to begin with in our lives, right? And, and when we want to know about it, we always want to go the opposite way of it, too. So we want to be in control. We want to know. We've been searching for knowledge ever since the snake told Eve to eat the fruit from the garden, we still want to know stuff, right? We want to be in charge all because we know that knowledge is power. And if I know, then we'll figure out how to be able to fix the mess that is in our lives ourselves. Here's the reality, though, that you need to know today. You can't, won't, shouldn't know and understand all that God knows because you're not in charge of the universe. In fact, I believe if God were to, were to come down and, and talk to us all today and, and he would tell us, you can't handle all the information that, that I know. You just, you just can't handle it. You can't absorb it all. And, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even like to know it all. You don't want to know. And there's another reason why I think this, this topic makes us uncomfortable. We normally don't trust people that don't have all the knowledge and have all the power. Because many of us in our lives have been burned by people that, that have all the power, right? People who know. This is, this is really an incredible thing when you think about it. Because we say, I can't know, I have to trust. I have to trust in the one who does know is going to fix it and fix it for what's best for me. And that's tough for a lot of us to put that kind of trust in someone or put our faith in God like that. This is so hard, isn't it? Especially when you're older and the more 
And the more and more you take control of your life as you get older, right? When you're a child, when you're a child, your parents take care of you. They do everything from you and you, you become a, a, a teenager and you start to do small things on your own. And then you're a young adult and you become an adult and you start all of a sudden you're doing everything on your own. But it's harder for, for older people to put all their trust in the God. But he calls us to do that. I wonder if Will, William Wilberforce read or referenced in prayer Psalm 139 at some point along in his life. You see, he had to have this kind of trust in God for his life. He was fighting for something so much greater than him. And that would have a lasting impact on the world's history. If you're not familiar with Mr. Wilberforce, he was a philanthropist in England. In his lifetime, he would petition several causes and stand up for what he believed in was right. Many of his beliefs parallel our Christian faith. First and most notably, he became absorbed in the issue of slavery. In response, in response to this, he wrote this, so enormous, so dreadful, so irremendable did the trade's wickedness appear that my own mind was completely made up for, abol for abolition. Let the consequences no be what, what they would. I from this time determined that I would never rest until I was affected by abolition. His anti-slavery efforts finally bore fruit in 1807 when Parliament abolished the slave trade in the British Empire. He then worked to ensure the slave trade laws were enforced and finally that slave in the British, slavery in the British Empire was abolished. Wilberforce's faith prevented him from, from leading the last charge. Wilber, I'm sorry, Wilberforce's health prevented him from leading the last charge. Though, though he heard three days before he died that the final passage of the Emancipation Bill was ensured to the committee. Slavery is not an abstract idea. Many of us have studied and heard about the impacts of slavery, not only in our own country, but abroad as well. Human lives, no matter the age, race, sex, culture, or past matter, God sees us and knows us. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. William Wilberforce valued human life as well, and that reflected in the way he lived his life out. Each of us can stand for what we know is true, and that is God has made each and every person with a purpose. He has taken the punishment for our sins so that we can be free in Christ. No matter what mess you may be in this morning, maybe, maybe you're moving out of that mess, I hope so, God sees you and God loves you. May the closing of Psalm 139 be our purpose today. It's in verse 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any off offense, offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Remember, God sees all of us, our past, our present, our future. He loves us regardless of where we've been or what we've done and is longing for us to follow him. In the middle of his battle to abolish slavery, William Wilberforce sought out a man named John Newton. Newton clearly had an incredible impact on Wilberforce's life and, and they worked together for one cause. Well, John Newton worked tirelessly to end slavery, slavery, he is actually most famous for writing the song Amazing Grace, a hymn sung in millions of churches around the world each and every week. 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. This morning, if maybe you find yourself in a mess this morning, and I don't know what that is, and maybe you're just ready to, to get that burden off your shoulders, as we prepare our song of invitation, I want to encourage you to come forward this morning, or maybe this week was just, just a rough week. Uh, we all have weeks like that. Uh, one of our elders is here. I know we would love to pray with you. I'll pray with you. If, if you just need some prayer in your life, or maybe you're just looking for a church home. Uh, we're a messy church. <laughs> we're full of messes. I think John said it a few weeks ago. I know you people, right? <laughs> we're a messy church, right? But that's okay, because uh, we're wiped clean by uh, Jesus Christ, and we're so thankful for that. Amen. So let's, let's continue singing our invitation song.